James, welcome back to the Pod Pit. Hey, thanks for having <laughs> the me again. To Pod Pit. Um, we're going to talk about something very. Uh, it's important uh, to state economies. It's important to a certain group of people that are teachers. Uh, an issue that not well understood, which is teacher pensions. And um, as I said, I want to start off this podcast by making a declaration. You can join me or not. But uh, Susan Pendergrass, Director of Research at the Show Me Institute, I I can declare I do not want to take a pension from any teacher who's currently teaching or has retired from teaching. I just want to be 100% transparent. I want to take no one's pension. Yeah, I I also (laughs) want no one's pension, except for my wife's. Uh, She is actually vested in the public school retirement system of Missouri. So I would like hers. You could share hers. Right, I'll share hers. But otherwise, I have no desire to take anyone's pension. That has never been my objective. And that's a good thing because it's illegal. (laughs) So if we did want to do that, we would want to do something that's illegal and runs counter to the state constitution. So it would be a losing battle. Right. Fortunately, I don't want to do that. And in that regard, I also you know, want to talk about Missouri. There was a bill this year to, to make a change to the teacher retirement system so that new teachers, if they wanted to, could opt to have a transportable retirement benefit like a 401k mm-hmm. if they wanted to. If they thought maybe they weren't going to stay in Missouri forever, they weren't going to be a teacher forever, or whatever number of conditions, they could have chosen a defined contribution. And strong reaction to that. Oh, very strong. So the, <clears throat> the, the lawmaker said he was basically getting hate mail. <laughs> and I mean, it was an outpouring of opposition to it. They mobilized at the state capitol. I I think for a moment we should take a step back and describe what the current system is and then describe this potential alternative that was proposed this this, uh, session and might be proposed again in the future. I don't know what the cards hold, but when we talk about a pension, we're talking about a defined benefit pension that doesn't take into account how much you put in, right? So the way it works is it's based on a formula. It multiplies for teachers how long you worked, so your number of years of service, your final average salary, which is just your three highest consecutive years. Typically, it's the end of your career, right? Your three highest consecutive years and a multiplier, which tends to, it's typically 2.5% if you are fully retired. So you multiply those things out. And so for a person who works 30 years, you're talking about them getting a 75% of their final salary every year for the rest of their life guaranteed. That's a defined benefit pension. Right. And it's a payment that they get. It's not something they own. Right. When they die, it doesn't go on to their estate. It's a payment that they right. get. And for the uh, ability to get that payment, they give up part of their paycheck. Right. The teachers in Missouri, well, we have three different systems. So we typically just talk about PSRS, which is the big system. We have three systems, really. We have one, and that's a whole another issue that we might get into. Oh, you're, you're telling me four. Kansas City and St. Louis have their own? Yeah, Kansas City, St. Louis, yeah. and then the rest of the state. And then that the peers and the PSRs. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, but for, for you know, certified teachers, sure. right, you have Kansas City has their own, St. Louis has its own, and then everywhere else has its own. Right. Or, you know, um, and they pay, four, in PSRS, they pay 14.5% of their salary, and that's matched by another 14.5%. I should say... It's not just on their salary. It's also on the value of their benefits. So if you if you calculate in the value of their benefits, I mean, you're really looking at more than 30% of their salary is going into uh, into a retirement account, not their own retirement account, a pool, right? So it's like everyone in the state dumps their money into one big pool, and then you don't get back what you put in. Sure. You get back based on that formula. And at the end of your career, you might be a winner or you might be a loser. If you you know you have a high final average salary, let's say you became a superintendent, 
and you were making you know, $200,000. Winner. Winner. <laughs> right. Like you worked for 20 years as a teacher, became a principal, then became a superintendent, retired. Winner, winner. You're making lots yeah. of money there that you did not put enough in to cover that. Sure. Whereas if you're a teacher and you leave early or you, um, you know, just stay a teacher and you never really get master's degrees, you don't get large raises, you might be a big loser and you might have put more money in. You're paying for that superintendent's retirement. Right. You put more in than you're actually ever going to get out of it. And then just to not get into the weeds, but the way the public pensions work is they're required to put in enough money to pay for all the retirement benefits, but actually only 80% of what they owe, right? Like, so they're not, you're not fully covering the cost of the, of the retirees right now. You're partially covering it. And I hear that Missouri's plan is incredibly healthy because <laughs> they have 83% of what they need. They yeah. don't have 100%, but they have 83% and lots of patting themselves on the back for that 83%. Yeah, 80 is a target. So, I mean, there's no real requirement on how much they have to have in, but their target is to be around 80%. And really, I think you should want it to be 100% fully funded because what you're saying is we're making a promise to these individuals who are vested that you are guaranteed this retirement benefit for the rest of your life. So that's a guarantee, a promise that we're making. Nothing that you or I do is going to change that, right? Like that is there uh, and it's going to be paid out. So that's an obligation that the pension system has. And so then they have to determine how much money they need to be putting in now to cover those future benefits. And they use a formula to calculate that. They have actuaries that calculate it. And that's how they came up with the 14.5% contribution rate. It was much lower. Uh, it's been pretty stable for several years now, but it used to be 10%. It used to be less than that, right? So they decide how much they're going to put in. Then they invest money and try to seek large returns. And they calculate based on their assumed rate of return. Which is? They're, I think right now they're assuming 7.75. I think it's seven and a quarter. Is it? They, I, be, I could be wrong. It was eight. Just a North couple. of seven. <laughs> they assume every year, year in, year out, recessions, booms, doesn't matter. They'll get at least 7%. Right, and it was 8% just about, I don't know, three years ago or something like that. They've been lowering it, partly because of pressure from us and actuaries. But they also, it's not just when they're forecasting out what their, what their interest rates are going to be uh, on the, or their returns on their investment. They also do it backwards from the future, right? So they take how much they think they're going to owe people in the future. I'm talking with my hands for people who are listening. So yeah. I'm, pointing, I'm, I'm getting a very right, clear picture. I'm pointing to the future. They calculate back from the future and they use what's called a discount rate. And they use a similar discount rate to, come, to bring it to current dollars to figure out how much we need today to pay for those future benefits. And so- there's a problem here. So the private sector is governed by different laws. They they have to use a corporate bond yield to do this discount rate, which is around 4%, right? They, they, they can't use 7%, 8% to calculate these things. And so right now, if you look through the PSRS <coughs> annual report, they'll tell you that they're about 83% funded and they have over $7 billion in unfunded liabilities. And they say, hooray, we're doing yeah, a great job. Just $7 billion. <laughs> Only $7 billion. Some of them are much, much worse. Right. We're doing great. <laughs> but if you actually calculate it using a corporate bond yield, which Andrew Biggs has done for the Show Me Institute, it's really $27 billion unfunded. Right. Like, I mean, that's realistic. That's huge. And that's what this corporate bond yield, the reason that's there is it's it's a hedge against risk because the, what we're doing is we're projecting out well into the future 
and we're betting on our children and our grandchildren's future, what we think the markets are going to do. Well, we should be cautious when we do that. We should uh, calculate what risks might be involved. And that's why they encourage people to use those lower is, uh, yeah. interest rates, lower discount rates, and PSRS doesn't do that. So this, when they say, oh, we're doing great, it's like, so well, healthy. you're doing great with really rosy projections. Okay, so a little bit about what they were going to try to do in this bill. And before I get into that, I, I want to be very clear that there are different types of teachers. There are college students graduating this month who are going to be teachers. Mm -hmm. There's future teachers. There are new teachers who are in the system for less than the vesting period, which I think is 10 years. Five years. What, five years. Teachers who have been in the teaching profession for less than five years, and so they're paying into the plan, but they're not vested. So the part that the employer is putting in for them doesn't belong. Uh, they don't get to take that with them. Mm -hmm. Then there are teachers who are vested and haven't retired, and then there's retired teachers. And this particular bill is targeted at one of those groups, which are the teachers who have not started teaching yet. Mm -hmm. And part of it, I think, maybe you know more than I do, part of it was to uh, get our financial house in order on our what we're promising in these legacy costs, but also the teaching profession has changed. There's a recognition that these younger people may not either be in teaching forever or be in Missouri forever, and it would be to their benefit to do it, right? right. Yeah, I think you could ask, like, what's the problem here? Some people are say will say, Oh, we're doing fine. Leave us alone. Exactly. What's the problem you're trying to fix? It isn't broken. It's like, well, there are lots of parts that are broke. I mean, first off, we've got the unfunded liabilities that we just talked about, which it's not going to impact us right now, but it could down the road. I mean, yeah. this could be a big issue down the road. We've seen other states, other cities where pensions have caused them essentially to go bankrupt. Yep. And that's a possibility if things don't get fixed. So that's one issue. Another issue we have is, uh, we mentioned already, you, or, uh, Kansas city st louis and the rest of the state are in different systems so if you teach in st louis and then move to uh, clayton or you teach in clayton and move to st louis or whichever way you go you're moving between systems and you're going to get a, a two teachers uh, if one worked 30 years in one system and one worked 30 years but did 15 in each system <clears throat> the one who worked 15 in each system would get about half as much in their benefit yeah. than the other teacher who worked 30 years right so the system punishes people who leave so if you leave early because your your spouse got a job somewhere else and you move or you want to stay home with children or for whatever variety of reasons you don't work to over 20 plus years, you're doing poorly in this current system. And if you're in PSRS, you're not getting Social Security. So you're going to get a very small retirement benefit, uh, really be punished by the system because you didn't work until the golden age to get the full retirement. So that's an issue. It punishes, like we said, teachers who are mobile, teachers who won't stay for a full career. There are all sorts of problems they with leave this. leave and come back. Right. Right. I mean, that happens commonly, yeah. right? You leave teaching and you come back, and it completely screws up your retirement benefit. Right. So there are lots of problems with this. We already talked about the gaming, where the superintendent might be making tons of money. The example from a few years ago was my superintendent, who got out of his contract, said he was going to retire a year early, then didn't retire, went to another district making 50000 more, and by working one year, he made an additional $20,000 every year for the rest of his life in his pension. Yeah. There, he did not contribute enough money in the system to do, to do that. And so that money comes from somewhere. It comes from other teachers who don't stay. It comes from that 30-year teacher in the really poor district, right? It comes from lots so of other places. So the more well-paid teachers sort of take money out of the system at, 
take more money out of the system than they put in. Right. And the poorly paid teachers get more less money back than they paid yeah. in. Yeah. That tends to be the case. I mean, this is, I had a paper in the Journal of Education Finance. I've got another paper I'm working on right now that show this, that the pension system favors wealthy school districts uh, or teachers who work. Sure. And, and basically, people who have really high end of career salaries relative to their beginning of career salary, right? So if you get large raises towards the end of your career, you're going to earn a lot more in your pension relative to what you put in. And in the state of Missouri, one single pot of money, right? Mm-hmm. And the wealthier districts pay their teachers more, so they take more out of that pot. Right. I guess they would say they put more in, but they're more likely to take more out than they put in. Yeah, they, they put more in, but not enough to cover what they put in or, or right. what they're getting what, out. What they're going to take well, out. And so I ran some numbers today in preparation for this, just, th- just really rough estimates. Thinking about a teacher who works for 10 years, right? So, that, and that's quite common for a teacher to work 10 years. Maybe you worked for a few years, you take a few years off to raise children, whatever it is. You work for 10 years. A teacher who works for 10 years and leaves their money in the pension system, and I, and I calculated you start at 35000 you and you end at 45000 sure. over that 10-year period. Right? So you work for 10 years, you don't work until you retire after 30 years or whatever. Then you draw your retirement for 30 years. So I just assumed you draw your retirement 30 years. If, you, if we counted the full 29%, that teacher's benefit would really have only gained about 3% off of what they put into it. They oh. would have been better off had that money just gone into a retirement CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, equivalent to a CD. I mean, yeah. if they would have invested it into a retirement account, they would be better off. And if and if I just and that's if I count the full 29% put in. If I just count their 14.5%, we're still only talking about a 5% in, uh, investment. Right? Most teachers, if you're working less than a full career, so typically I'm thinking less than 20 years, your money would be better off if you just put it into a retirement account that gained interest. So our, our friend Marty Lucan did a study that said in Missouri it takes 26 years to cross over to where you get the same amount out as you put in, right? Yeah. And there was a study by Bellwether that did a similar type of study. It was, and it was around that, I think it was 23 or 24 years. But I mean, we're looking past 20 years that you need to work before the value of your contributions uh or sorry, the value of your benefits is worth more than your contributions had you just put them into a retirement account. So let's talk about these these <laughs> um, young people who are graduating from college right now. Yeah. They're going to start their first job as a teacher and they're going to sign a contract. That's who I think of when I think of retirement benefit reform or pension reform. It's that group of teachers. They're going to put their name on a contract and they're going to buy into a system that they will do well from if they make it in the same system until they're about 52 or 53. Mm-hmm. And if they think they're not going to do that, then they should have another option. And in some cases, uh, the trade-off could be a higher salary if you yeah. go with the 401k. I mean, if you've got student loans, you don't know that you're going to teach in the same pension system for 30 years. Maybe you want to have a different option. And a lot of states do this. Yeah, Florida's been doing it for years and years. You sign your contract. They have a website. It's pretty slick. It says, now let's pick your retirement benefit. And it's like you answer a series of questions and one's orange, one's blue. And it's very non-judgmental. <laughs> pick whichever one works for you. It's palm trees. I mean, it's really friendly. And um, you get to the end, they're like, oh, it looks like you would like the investment account or it looks like you would like the retirement account. And and that's that. They're not mm-hmm. bankrupt. Yeah. So let's. I, mean, I think we've, we've kind of described it. So the, the proposal that you were talking about, the legislation that was uh, – in, in the House this year that didn't go anywhere and doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere, but again, because of the, the hysteria pushback. around it, the yeah. pushback around it, it would have created an option 
for new teachers to choose. Nobody was forced to do anything. No current retirees would lose anything. No current teachers would be forced to switch. If you're, you, know, yeah. you stay in your current system, but new people could choose something different and they could choose how much they wanted to put in. I think it was they could choose between three and 50% of their salary to Is, put in. Was, in was <laughs> like, and, so, but the matching was, I think, five. 5%. 5%. So, so let's say that you're a new teacher and you decide, I want to just put in 3% right now. That means you just saw a, over 10% increase in your take-home pay because you're not putting that into the retirement system. I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey, who's a fin- yeah, yeah, financial yeah. The guru. snowball. Right, snowball. Like, right. So if you're coming out of college, you got a little bit of debt. You know, he says, do the debt snowball. You're wanting to pay that down and attack it. You got to first baby steps. Number one yes, is that's right. set $1,000 aside, attack your lowest debts first, right? Like, yeah. so I'm working through these right now. There's a system. So, right. Yeah. So let's say you're a new teacher. You might want to put less into retirement. But then Dave suggests that once you've got out of debt, ramp it up to 15% into retirement accounts. Sure. I mean, in PSRS, we're putting in 29%. That's right. <laughs> and you have no choice as a beginning teacher. Your right. salary is not that high. You have no choice at starting at that 15. You're starting at 14 and a half. Right. Um, and you may not even get it back. If, if I mean, you may, you may not get solid the, chance. a lot of that. You may not even get the full value of it back in the current system. So it makes a lot of sense for new teachers especially if you're unsure about your your future yeah. you don't you know your your spouse your husband or wife's job might take you other places you don't know if you want to be teaching forever yeah. this type of option makes sense and we're not talking about ruining anyone's retirement what we're talking about really for a, a good chunk of people is increasing retirement security for these new teachers in an account that is theirs that is portable you know, that goes with them wherever they go and it's theirs to to take and control that's what this new program would do so let's be honest. The people who the hue and cry was because people in the system, even if they know they should know no one's taking their pension. That's absurd. You can't do that. But they also know that you have to feed the bottom of the pyramid. If it's 83% funded, not 100% funded, it only works if you keep bringing in more people at the bottom. And so I've had that question directly, won't this bankrupt the system because we won't have more people joining? And I'm like, are you just admitting to me that this is a pyramid scheme? I mean, it is a pyramid right. scheme. Well, it's it's either it is or it isn't, right? So it's not supposed to be, right? right? Defined benefit pensions are not supposed to be pyramid schemes. You're supposed to put enough in to cover the value of your benefits. That's what the actuaries are supposed to be doing. In which case it, there would be no unfunded liability. Right. None. But the only reason that we build it on the backs of future teachers is if it's unfunded. If your benefits or the pe- people who went before you, if their benefits are more than what they put in and the interest gained on that. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they didn't earn 7% every year. Right, exactly. 8%. Then you have to have the contributions of new people. But the truth is it, it won't bankrupt the system. It may cause the system to make some changes. That might mean they have to increase contribution rates. It might mean they have to hold down colas, but those are the types of changes that they'll have to make to adjust. It's not, but the system has to adjust and it will do those things. So it's not going to bankrupt the system, but it may cause some changes. But the way I I like to pose the question is, you know, if you could be fabulously wealthy today by borrowing against your grandchild's income, would you do it? And I think most reasonable people would say, no, I don't want to steal from my grandchildren. But that's essentially what we're doing is... You were saying if you want to have an increased benefit worth more than what you put in today, then what we have to do is we have to take it from your grandchildren. Are you okay with that? And 
seems like lots of people are saying yes. <laughs> they're, right. they're okay with that. Or maybe they don't understand quite uh, what it is we're talking about. I think there's a lot to that statement right there. I think people think they have an account they're putting the money into. They think that any change to the law for new teachers is going to affect them. I mean, there's so many misperceptions out there. Somebody's somebody's feeding misinformation oh, definitely. to people, and uh, it's just flat out not true. And the fact that people want to take people's pensions. I've not met one person right. who wants to take someone's pension away. I, I've seen I've seen statements from teachers or retired teachers that say something like, the legislature, you know, this year the the funding was down, tax revenue was down, and so they need money, and they want to take our pension money. Eek. Not even possible. I've seen people claim that they want to take the pension funds to pay for roads. Not possible. None of these things are possible. Well, Al Gore, <laughs> lo- the lockbox, right? It's in a lockbox. It, 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 t- it kind of is. I was right? so like, scared. Like, that's a lockbox. <laughs> no, you, it's a separate fund. You cannot... No. It is in a separate fund that the legislature can't touch. The only people that can touch this funds are the retirees and PSRS, you know, they give management fees or something along those lines, right? Yeah. So, like, those are the only people that touch these funds. The The funds cannot be repurposed for other other means. And yet, like you said, someone is feeding a bunch of misinformation out there. Someone is spreading fear and lies, trying to get people motivated to, to rally against this pension uh, reform. Uh, and, you know, if we want to have a discussion about the facts, that's fine. If you sure. want to say, because if we're being honest, PSRS, the way it is, could limp along probably well beyond our lifetimes. Like, I, I honestly don't think, I mean, with how well it's funded now. They're going uh, into riskier things. Right. And their fees are top five. Right. They're not. But it's not great. Fees. But I think that it could probably last They'll have to make some changes eventually over time. They're even now, even if there is no other system, they are eventually going to have to increase contribution rates. They sure. are eventually going to have to hold down colas, right? So, but the system can be okay for a long time. It'll get worse, I think, progressively, but it, sure. it'll be okay for a long time. Uh, I forgot where I was going with this. My know. train of thought was going somewhere, but like that's the truth of the matter. But if you so, if you want to argue that point. Then let's argue. Let's talk about the facts. Let's talk about the funding. Let's talk about all these sorts of things. But let, don't toss in a bunch of lies like, oh, you hate teachers. You want to yeah, steal yeah. their pension. That's just the farthest I thing from the truth. I didn't get paid money. And I, it's hard teaching. I concede all of right. that. Their salaries, yeah, they haven't gone up. We've decided to add more staff instead of having higher salaries. And yeah, it, I'm, it's very hard work. But that does not mean that the system has to continue just because it has been in existence. The private right. sector has largely shifted away, and I do know um, y- your friend Bob Costrell. Is he your friend? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's We're friend. We're co-authors, yeah. Everyone's friend. Bob Costrell updates this graphic quarterly that shows how much uh, of education spending is going to teacher pensions per student. And at this point, it's close to $1,500 per student is not going to the classroom. It is going to teacher pensions, and it used to be um, – at the beginning of his graphic, I think it was both definitely below a thousand, like in the five, six hundred dollar range. And so we're just cutting more and more of the education funding off mm-hmm. and sending it to pensions. There are some states, obviously, much worse, California, Illinois, but right. but M- Missouri too. We have to keep increasing um, the contribution rates. And I wanted to keep this on PSRS because that's the one that's always held up as this pinnacle of health. Kansas City and St. Louis are in dire straits. Right. Dire straits. Yeah. And St. Louis's retirement system is suing St. Louis public schools right now for the contribution rate. And uh, Kansas City is in deep water. Kansas and City just a couple of years ago put out a report, <laughs> their own report that they had commissioned. From that, an accounting firm. From an accounting firm. And it, it essentially said, I think it was within 25 years, there was 
about a 50 50 chance that they would be insolvent i mean it was like a zero percent funding yeah yeah it's yeah. like a, a coin flip to whether or not they would even have funds and Which so they were using as rationale for a higher contribution rate but if you left the contribution rate discussion out of it you'd be like holy cow if they don't earn four and a half percent every year they're going to be at zero percent funding that's not good right it's not good and, <clears throat> and i know we do want to keep it on psrs but we can't it's you can't not talk about these things because they are related if if we have these three separate systems, Kansas City and St. Louis are at a disadvantage. It is harder for them to attract people, especially uh, veteran principals or even any principals, because if you have a job in, in the St. Louis or surrounding Kansas City area and, and you're a teacher who wants to step into the principalship job, you're probably not going to step into a job in St. Louis and Kansas City. And so what ends up happening, there's a paper that looked at this. Those districts tend to hire more people internally into principal positions because they can't get people to come in. And so it puts them at a competitive disadvantage for experienced teachers. And I've heard people say this and it just infuriates me. They say, well, we, we can't have we can't fix these systems or merge them together because PSRS is in. Social, it's not, not social, social security. security yeah. The other two are St. Louis and Kansas City are. And so we can't just merge the systems together because of that difference. And so I've heard people say, well. That's their fault. They chose that. It's like no one currently in the system <laughs> yes. chose this. This was chosen before almost everyone in the system was born. Yes. You can't just say, well, it's their fault. They they yeah. weren't alive. <laughs> it is sort of known as the, the negotiating point for um, lawmakers who aren't going to be around when the chickens come home to roost. Like, right. well, we can't give you more salary, but we'll up your benefits. And pensions are a legacy cost that are, it is bankrupting some systems. Yeah. It is. And to think that we don't need to worry about it because it's not going to happen here, that's not true. And there's the flip side that I think about. The next generation of teachers, we want good, high-quality people going into the teaching profession. Many of them will expect to have a benefit that goes with the, with them as they move. Mm -hmm. And I know in some states, like 19 states, charter schools don't have to participate in teacher pension plans. They can do a 401K. And some of them compete for teachers on their benefit packages. They're like, we've got a 401K. We'll mm. match up to 7%. Like, they compete on their benefit mm -hmm. plans because they can. And I just think that in the interest of bringing good teachers to the state and having you know, smart people want to go into that career, we got to bring it to the 21st century. Right. Well, lots of people will say that the pension system is great at attracting teachers and, and it's great at retention. There is no evidence that that's true. There's no evidence that a young college student, you know, in college, because you really have to make the decision before you graduate, right. Right? like right. you got to get an education degree. So you have to make a decision and be like, hmm, you know, in 30 years, that pension is going to be really yeah. wonderful. I think I'll be a teacher. That doesn't happen. But people do look at salary, and, and there is a, a narrative right now that teachers are underpaid. And, and there's some sure. evidence that for years, salaries have been going down while total compensation has been either flat or going up. That's right. Because benefits are increasing, and uh, like healthcare benefits, and pensions are increasing. And so we're substituting compensation. We're increasing the things that you can't see, the pension and the, and the healthcare and all those things, and we're decreasing salary. That's backwards. If we want to attract people into the profession, which I do want to do that, For sure. we should put more into salary. We should decrease the obligations and pensions. And the, the way to do that is to create, not force anyone, but create an option that's where right. people could start to opt in this type of system and slowly transition to something different that's more sustainable, more stable, and more fair to all individuals involved. And there are other systems out there. There's something called a cash balance. Mm -hmm. Looks, It's like a, an annuity, sort of. It's, right. And then there's a hybrid plan. I mean, it doesn't have to be either or. But if 
we are going to only be met with the resistance of its divine benefit or bust, then it's going to be a problem. Right, there's a saying that things that can't go on forever won't. Right? Yeah, that's right. And this system cannot go on forever. At some point, it's going to have to bust. And I, I think that what's really going to happen, I mean, this is me looking to my crystal ball. The, the opposition to pension reform is so uh, strong that I doubt much happens. A few years ago, there was a lawmaker who proposed uh, a bill that all it would do was require the pension system to be 100% funded. That's it. Which is in the best interest of every teacher <laughs> right. in the system. Right. And he said he got more angry emails for that piece of legislation than anything else because he wanted to ruin people's pensions. He was requiring it to be fully to funded. Be safe. Right. And and he got hate mail over that. That's a that's a problem uh that yeah. we have right now that that people the people who are vested or not vested in the I don't mean vested in the system, I mean invested that are uh, paying attention, the retired people, people getting closer to retirement, they're very well organized and they they are very well mobilized to do something. And so I doubt anything will happen because anytime someone tries something even sensible, they're they're slapped down. I think what's going to happen, again, looking into my crystal ball, yeah. is that eventually the system is going to, the PSRS is going to have to increase contribution rates it, and they're going to have to hold down COLAs to make ends meet. And when they do those things, eventually, teachers are going to say, this is too much. Uncle. Yeah, oh, say uncle. Like 20% right. of my paycheck out the door right. like to some pot of, if you if they know enough, to some pot of money that I have no control over. Yeah. I mean, right now it's 14 and 29% combined. You know, when that gets up to 30, 35, 40, I don't know, at some point, teachers are going to say, this is ridiculous. I'm not getting enough benefit out of this. And then the retirees, too, if their colas keep being held down, the people looking forward to that are not going to see something desirable. The system can't go on and like this forever. honestly, maybe school systems, too. A small school system, they don't have unlimited funds. And if it goes from 14 and a half to 15 to 16, that's what happened in St. Louis, you know, maybe they'll want out. They won't be able to get out, but they you, it's hard to budget when you don't know how much, you know, and you're going to start putting in big chunks of your budget to to teacher pensions. Yeah, this, that's, that's exactly hard. why St. Louis is, tax. is involved in this lawsuit right now. That's right. St. Louis, the the contribution kept jumping and increasing. We're talking about millions of dollars that they're having to put into the system over the previous year, and eventually they lobby to get the laws changed, and they're transitioning. And they're that, like sixteen percent. <laughs> right. That's all we can do. Right, and they're and that's going to shift more to the to the employee to more for uh, the employee is supposed to put more in, and the district's going to put less in. Um, but these systems are going to, in the long run, have to make tough choices. They're going to have to increase contributions. They're going to have to hold down colas or do something different because they can't go on forever. There is a need for reform. Uh, the, the system can't keep going. And we could use it to attract bright new teachers. I mean, I do. I want to keep the focus on the next generation of teachers because I do think that that's a, a, an attractive thing for teachers and another reason to go to Florida. Um, thank you for talking about this. This is always a hard topic for me to talk about because I know there's a complexity to it and I know yeah. it doesn't affect everybody out there, but the pe people who it does affect, you know, I always hear my grandmother's a retired teacher and she needs her pension check every month. It's like, of course she does. Right. She signed a contract that promised it. I'm not in any way interested in touching her pension, but so it gets hard to talk about, but I appreciate your insights. You you make it sound easy. <laughs> well, you make it, it sound simple. It, it's not easy, <clears throat> and it is a complex topic. But it's uh, what's the saying? It's like an, an ounce of prevention is better than a 
what is that? Pound a cure. Right. So, yeah. I mean, we what, we could, think what we could do now is some some sensible things to start sure. giving people alternatives and options. We can start doing th- some things to prevent really big disasters. If something doesn't happen, like you and I are not talking about impacting grandma's check at all. We do not want to change that at all. Don't want to take anything away. None of the legislation that I've seen would do anything to that. No. But if something isn't happened at some point, someone's grandma is going to get hosed. That's right. right. At, at, That's at right. some point, someone's grandma, when this system collapses, and it may not be now, it may not be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I don't know when, but someone, if the system goes under, it's not going to be good for a whole lot of someone's, uh, a whole lot of grandmas and grandpas. These things are tough to do. In our political climate, that's why we need discussions like this. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org.